As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Gentlemen, this week on the Dying Alive show, myself and Pat get together to prepare you for the beginning of the regular season. Catch you up on what's going on with Casper Capitan. We've got Charlie O'Connor from the Athletic Philadelphia is going to come over here and talk about the Flyers, get you all prepped up for the series opener. No Mike tonight. He owes Pat $20. We'll get into that. Mike, where's the money, Mike? $20. Wait, you, Pat and I you want your $20. <laughs> it's my $20, pal. Your reward, your uh, reward is you get to be a dad. I'm yet to my, yeah, my rewards. I get to be a dad. Uh, breaking news here on the dying live show. It was released on Twitter this week. We're having a girl. And that was what Pat damp put 20 bucks down on. And damn it. He staked his podcast reputation. What are you gonna do with the money? Oh, that's a good question. I'm doing dry. Don't spend it all in one place I'm, is what my your grandmother would tell you. I'm doing dry January, so I can't like go buy like a good like twelve pack of beer. So like, I don't know. Right. I might just like sit it on my desk and look at it until we get to February, and then go do that. So I don't know. I'll have to think about all right. it. Well. Yeah, thank you. Take your time. Uh, I'm Jesse Marshall, the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined by my good friend Pat Damp, you just heard from, of the Pensblog.com. We'd normally be joined by Mike Darney of Pensblog.com, but he owes Pat twenty dollars. Me, I heard from. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, here's where we're at. Uh, not a whole lot going on. We're, uh, the Penguins, ironically enough, well, I don't know if that's ironically enough. This camp is just boring. There's not. <laughs> Nothing. There's nothing. The scrimmages are. It's good to see the scrimmages, right? You you want to see Tristan Jari? I think has probably been the player that's looked the best out of the scrimmages. Uh, But other than that, like John Marino, we'll start there. He gets a new contract, four point four million dollars for six years. That who's not happy about this? Show him to me. Bring me the bring me the person that's not happy about this deal. I want to talk to him. Uh, Yeah, I. 
I just want to talk to him, Pat. <laughs> I just, I just, just want to talk. That's all I want to do is talk. But uh, no, I mean, like, there is nothing not there. There, there is nothing that you can nitpick about this deal. Like everything about it works out as well as you need it to. Uh, the the term takes him through his prime. Uh, the AAV, I mean, that is. That's a that's a that's a sweet spot because it, it it's good for two reasons. One, if John Marino reaches the potential we think he can reach, in three years we're going we're paying four point four for John Marino, oh, and yeah. if he doesn't, oh, that's, that's that's unbelievable. Think about that. I mean, you 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 hit the nail. There's no other analysis that needs to be done. I think if John Marino just stayed as good as he was last year, Pat, for the next six years, I would still say that. <laughs> Yeah, let's still say that. No improvement. It, just that one track. I would be like, this is uh, what a deal. And, what a great and if deal. If he, if he, some, if he somehow regresses or, uh, you know, plateaus, like one, it's it's easy to move because two, three years, he's only got three, four years left, and it's four point four, which is affordable. And defensemen are always a commodity on the trade market. So, I mean, everything about the deal is great. Like you just. You cannot yeah. complain about this. Here's what I think. Here's here's what I think about John Marino. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my essence of John Marino. Uh, I cannot shake this damn Paul Martin comparison. And the more I think about it, the more video I watch, the more I think it's it's applicable. Suffice to say, I actually think Pat that John Marino's quote unquote escapability factor on the breakout and his ability to get himself out of a jam might actually have been better than Paul Martin's was. I don't know yet. And we'll find out perhaps this year if John Marino possesses some of the finer offensive skills that Paul Martin had in the offensive zone in terms of like that old P Mart half slapper he had that could, it was super accurate. His ability to walk the blue line. We'll find that out. Uh, But if you look at his skating, his willingness to join the rush, his pass, his, I mentioned his escapability, his defending, his gap control, his his mobility in the defensive zone. It all just says number seven to me. Like I have that Paul Martin vision for it in my brain. Now, the big question is if we're going to compare him to Paul Martin, who is going to be the scoring winger that we trade for that he cooks breakfast for? Well, let's see. <laughs> hmm trying to think of who the guys are that are the the, the the candidates you know down the line this year cap casualties that could be had that need a good breakfast good you know the old larry i think i've told it on this podcast before the old badger bob and larry murphy story you ever heard that story i don't think i have oh okay this is great so badger bob old great coach of the penguins right eccentric guy no real method to his madness larry murphy will tell you to this day larry murphy <laughs> Shows up to the Penguins, right? Arrives through the... I'm meeting everybody, hey. And Badger Bob walks up to me. The first thing he does is, Murph, I'm going to tell you right now. I haven't even met him yet, by the way. So Larry Murphy's like, I don't even... We haven't even been introduced. And Badger Bob walks up and goes, Murph, I'm going to tell you right now you need a banana. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's like, I, he's like, you're the coach, right? He's like, yep. I'm going to tell you right now there's a banana over there in that basket. I want you to go over and I want you to have that banana. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been, and Bob Johnson made me eat bananas all the time. 
And I don't – to this – they never found out why. No idea why I was eating all those bananas. I've been, uh, I've been reading Ken Reed's new book, uh, One to Remember. It's a book about guys who scored a single goal in the NHL. And, ah, yes. And uh, first and foremost, fantastic. Highly recommend it. Secondly, there's a great Badger Bob story uh, in it. I cannot remember the player's name, but, you know, he was a guy who got a short stint in the NHL, but he played for Badgers teams in Wisconsin. And uh, apparently Bob had these games on Sundays called the Russian game where he would have a pickup game of shinny at the rink with, you know, basically all the guys from the team and whoever else wanted to join and when he would play it, when Badger would play in it, he would put the Red Army CCCP jersey on. And what he would do is he knew all the guys that went out boozing Saturday night. So he would pick all the guys who didn't go out boozing the night before and just beat the hell out of the guys who were at the rink <laughs> hungover. Like, they were saying, like, oh, the, you know, your team would lose 8 nothing, and Badger would have five goals and three assists because he'd be at the net. <laughs> he'd be at the net beating a defenseman who was all hungover, or he'd be passing across to somebody who wasn't hungover to bury one against a defenseman who was. I scored the prettiest goal in my life in a camp where junior high kids celebrated, like, I scored game seven <laughs> in the Stanley Cup final. Well, I, I, I think I told you. There's nothing more powerful, Pat, and you know this damn well being a coach there's just nothing more powerful than going out there and playing a bunch of kids feeling like mary lemieux in 91 dude it's the- just bowling them over knocking them over one arm be like dangling around them be like i'm the best player alive yeah it's it, <laughs> it really does feel like such a it's such a good feeling and i hate to admit it oh anyway uh, i don't even remember what the hell we were talking john about Marie. now i totally john <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm learning oh shit um, so that's good news. Like I said, the Gittins get – and actually I think that you know, there's one thing to say. You get well, the Gittins good. Jake Gensel was getting well, the Gittins good. This is like some kind of you know galaxy brain planning ahead that <laughs> Rutherford did here. You got to give credit where it's due. Uh, it was a job well done by him. Uh, <clears throat> hey, for those of you that are into uh, you know horoscopes, Dom at the Athletics Models out <laughs> for the uh, uh, Mass Mutual East Division. Ah, uh, yes. Is that correct? I believe we are the Mass Mutual Eastern Division. No, not Eastern. I East. will send Mass Mutual in my cash app, and I expect to have some coinage in there every time I say that. Mass Mutual. I just want to hear that, uh, hear that cash <laughs> register ring. Mass Mutual East Division. Cha-ching! <laughs> uh, I actually um, – Dom's model, uh, and I'll be honest with you, there's a lot. This is actually – I'm not now surprised to see because uh, Dom's model fell in line with – a lot of models I have a great amount of respect for, Micah McCurdy uh, in Effective Math, uh, Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey. They all have the Penguins second, all of them. In the division, uh, he gave them a 44% uh, chance to qualify for the second round and still believes that they're Stanley Cup contenders. Um, all the nerds are uh, uh, together here and saying the Penguins are good. But the question I have is, are, are our eyes smarter than these fucking nerds' numbers? Yeah, <laughs> uh, they don't even watch the games. Uh, these nerds. Reading Dom's reading Dom's preview, you know there was like it always is with reading stuff from him. He makes a ton of great points that are really hard to refute. The one thing I will say that that worries me about this this Penguins team this year is the bottom six. Like 
We we have seen yeah. time and again over the last five-ish years. Oh crap! <laughs> Hit the wrong button there. Um, we've seen time and time again over the last five-ish years uh, that you need depth. You have to have scoring from your bottom six, and I don't know if they're going to get it from this group. We said it. We've said it together, Pat, in conversation that. You know, the one thing you could say about this bottom six is that for as difficult it might be for them to score, it is going to be as equally as difficult for everybody else to score on them. We have a late addition to the podcast. What's oh, my up, God. Ladies and gentlemen, leave this in the show. Mike just showed up live. Don't cut this. This is What's live up, radio. Where's the 20 bucks? That's what we want to know. The whole first part of the show before you got in here is where's this money at? It's coming. It's coming. You got any contact? <laughs> this is unexpected. This is great. This is great. This is a great podcasting. Mike's on the show. I wasn't expecting this. It's almost. I wasn't either, and my uh, prior engagement went quickly, and I was like, "Oh, we got time. We'll make it." All right. Do we? I seriously think we should leave this in. Oh, we'll leave it in. I agree. Leave it in. Okay. Yeah. Go, so, good. Um, right. so I have no rundown in front of me. I have no correspondence in front of me. Let's go. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we're talking about. Uh, all these models, all these nerds. Okay. They all got a second in the division. Who's right? You know, are the, are the nerds, are we right? Are the nerds right? Or uh, do we suck? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I find it intriguing because all offseason I heard about how the Penguins were going to be like fifth at best. Second yeah. from the nerds. All the nerds? We've discussed three nerds today. Uh, my, I don't have a model, so I can't include myself. Uh, but my, no, Micah, McCurdy, Ineffective Math, Sean Tierney. And now Dom. All have I did, I did see down. Sean's was second, yes. Yeah, and Dom's is out too. Uh, all of them are second. Um, what do we make of that? I mean, I, I we were just about, and this is where, right where you came in. Uh, the bottom six is Pat's concern. And the question is whether or not can they score. But the one thing we can definitely say is it is going to be difficult to score on the bottom six for other teams. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... I don't know. I don't want do to think, like do you think that, away, but do you think that's what the model picks up on? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. There's two parts to it for me. And, and this is just conversations I've had with people about models and, um, you know, things of that nature. So the, the defensive ability is certainly part of it, but those top, the top six is stupid. Good. It's stupid. Good. It's literally the number one and number two forward units. Now, not, not not right now, because right now Evan Rodriguez is on that top line, yeah. and it does change it a little bit. But uh, yeah, when assuming Captain and you know Goy's back now, but assuming when, when things pick back up and we get going again, that that gives them basically you know the two top lines in the league. So with the, the removal of Jack Johnson and all that, and the improvement in the, the actual bottom pairing defenseman, uh, you know. Here we are. When you you have something coming on the bottom pairing, right, Jesse? Monday. Uh, yeah, I watch, so <laughs> I cut a bunch of video from Mike Matheson and Cody CC playing together in 2016 at the World Championships for Canada. Um, I'm going to talk about that and then get into some numbers on again, just like so. Part of this is looking at war, right, and and goals above replacement and trying to project. Uh, where things are going to go in the season to come. And for me, uh, no matter how you look at it, you know, in the, in the twins model on evolving hockey, or you go to Jay fresh and his war calculators are really nice war calculator and Patreon site. They're just not, you know, the expectation 
around shots, scoring chances, goals, is that there's just going to be less on that third pairing to, like, a pretty significant margin. Like, enough that it, it gives them points in the standings, you know? I mean, it, it sounds simple, but it is addition by subtraction. Well, and the, and the one thing I would add to that, too, as well, is I know we all, you know, joked and made our had our tweets about, you know, them signing CC right after buying out Jack Johnson. You know, if I if I can recommend a show for you guys to listen to once you finish with our show is go listen to Rachel Dory and Mike Stevens on the Staff and Graph podcast because that's a hell of a listen. They're both incredibly smart. But I be- Rachel Dory is a genius. Yeah. Let's get that out of the way. I, and I was going to say she's a goddamn I'm genius. I'm pretty sure it was. We're going to have her on the show. I'm pretty sure it, have Rachel it was Rachel Dory who brought up the point that uh, CC actually has solid defensive metrics. Like he's, he was put in a situation where he just couldn't win in Toronto where they expected him to produce, and that's just not his game. He does not produce. Well, and they put him in a, in a role where he needed to produce and just wasn't going to happen. And, and I think, um, obviously, like, if, if you're just going with a one-sided argument of good or bad, He's going to fall on the bad side, but I feel like, and I know we talked about this, it, it's about avoiding the big, glaring, obvious mistake with him. If you can cut down on that, then can you can you shelter a guy like him in the third pairing? Probably. Well, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, I don't, I don't. We talked about this in. I think we talked about this in the last show, and I've thought about it, and I've settled on this. So, Cody CC is not as bad. That that teams are going to change their breakout strategy to attack him. Yeah, that's a huge. That, that's where I'm. That's where I've landed. That's right. Yeah, and 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 I don't think he's going to play as much as Jack Johnson did either. Uh, well, assuming nobody gets hurt. Yeah. You know what was interesting today, and I don't know if there's any. You know, this could mean nothing. This could be the most nonsensical bullshit we've ever talked about. But Mike Sullivan did change the pairings today for the first time, and he put Marcus Pedersen with Cody CC and Mike Matheson with John Marino. I actually I don't hate that. All things considered, I think that I mean I do think as much as I'm gonna say that I don't think CC's as bad as he's made out to be, uh, putting him with Matheson could be a problem. Like that that could in the long term be an issue. So splitting them up, I don't think is the worst idea. You know what it says to me, Pat and Mike. Now that you're here. It says to me that Mike Sullivan might believe that Marcus Pedersen has more to give with moving the puck. That you might get more out of him if he's just responsible for that. And he, he has the opportunity to be that guy, you know? Maybe because he's not going to be that guy with John Marino. No chance. Right? I mean, John Marino is moving the puck on that pairing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, at least perhaps he's willing to see, give it a chance. Uh, Evgeny Malkin looks larger. In my eyes, a note I wrote down. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I saw you mention that earlier this week that he, I believe you used the word huge. Yeah. Well, I talked to Rob Rossi about it because he's a Malkin whisperer, you know? Uh, Rob, you know, he has this like, tele- I don't know, it's like a telekinesis thing. You're going to have Rob on talk about that. I'm just making a guest <laughs> list as we go. Uh, <laughs> Season three is going to be just chock full yeah. of guests. Um, um, by the way, just to reiterate, we'll be talking to Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic. Don't forget that. That's going to be on the show. Very show. Charlie O'Connor. Um, but I, Rob said that, that there was a visceral sort of realization Malkin had of like, I'm getting older and I got to change the way I'm, I do my business. 
I just I can't do it the same way. It's not gonna it's not gonna work for me. In in and, what way? In terms of uh, nutrition, out? working nutrition. out, yeah, regimens. Just, like, what is he working out? Like, just the whole package. How much? Yeah. So I think he looks more cut, personally. And I asked Rob if I was right, and he said, yeah. So that's something to look forward to because Christ, that ain't terrifying. Yeah, he's already gigantic <laughs> as it is. <laughs> you know, he's already a redwood. Where you're just coming off of an off season where he so, spent his spare time chopping wood so in his driveway. I mean, so if you have a guy that's that big coming in cut, he's bringing me moving faster and stronger. That's the best looking line in camp. The Russ Malkin Zucker line is oh, that, bar none. Than the that yeah. line is going to be an absolute goddamn terror on the yeah, on the Mass Mutual East Division in the National Hockey League. We, uh, we've decided we're going to do that now, Mike, in case they pay us. So we don't know that they are, but we're going to say Mass Mutual and NHL as many times as we possible can. I'll put an advertisement on my car if somebody's going to pay me to do it. <laughs> what are you driving these days, Mike? Honda Pilot, baby. Oh, damn. Okay. I get, I get about 13 per gallon. I was going to say, what color is it? It is black. I Although, um, having been working remotely for nearly a year now, I put very few miles on my Let me tell you something. Here, Let me tell you something. You bring up a great point, Mike, <laughs> and here's a story for you. I drive my car. So little. I tried to go to the store the other day and the goddamn battery was dead. Hey, you know what happened to me on Tuesday? Battery My died. battery was dead. I'm telling you. I just don't – we ain't yeah. getting that – we're not getting yeah. that alternator charge. I mean, That's what it is. in the month of December, I went on vacation and then came back in quarantine for two weeks. So my vehicle didn't move other than to and from the airport for almost four weeks. So. Oh, I, I had, yeah. I had uh, kind of the opposite happen to me. Like, I had a slow leak in a tire right before quarantine hit, and I didn't drive for, like, a month. Came outside. Got a flat. Flat tire. Yep. You want to know something else, Pat? What's that? Before the battery died, tire light was on. <laughs> <laughs> the old shit. It's not an old shit. It's my Chevy's just she's, – she's deteriorating. <laughs> um uh, Hey, Zidane Ochoa is a capital. Anybody care? No. Nope. Sorry. Right, <laughs> it's – very interesting. Let, let me let I'm just me kidding. let me be one of the first people to congratulate the Washington Capitals on here getting away with every cross check for the oh, next season. Yep. You know, I guess like um, well, I always knew that was a thing, but like when the signing happened, it, like it was a mass amount of jokes about that. It was like everybody joked about that at once, and I was like, wow, I guess I forgot about that. Um. Yeah, you may, uh, uh, Pat. I know you want to. I want to give you the opportunity because I don't want to spend too much time on this. But uh, pretty the fallout, I guess we'll call it, <clears throat> of the Zidane Chara shining is, in your opinion, a slight that occurred in Boston. Uh, I can't tell, like, because it seems like it seems like both Char. Oh no 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 no! Wait wait, let me be clear. The slight occurred after Chara left, and who got named captain in Boston? Oh yes. <laughs> what an absolute blunder by the Boston, it's a sham. By the Boston Bruins. It's they a sham. have hockey legend Greg McKegg on their roster and did not name him captain. They didn't even make him an assistant Unbelievable. Captain. What disrespect. What are you doing? You know what's like Gretzky coming over to your team? When I have he got traded nine times, was it, or whatever? It's like Gretzky going to his ninth team and then being like, you don't even get an A. It's like it's like not giving Mario Mario a letter when he came out of retirement. Yeah, yeah, we're giving it to Kelly Buckberger. Um, <laughs> hey, what do you think about the ad on the helmet, the PPG ad? 
meaningless. I mean, it's it, it's it's horribly tacky, but I understand why it needs to be done. You know what would have been cooler? I'll tell you what would have been cooler. PPG at some point. You know what? I'm going to Google this before I say it. I think I know where you're going to go with this. I think I know where you're going to go with this. But you can say that it should be yellow. No. I was going to say, didn't they have a logo? Here we go. I'm going to Google on it. No, that's not it. (laughs) Anyway. They should make a damn logo. It's like not just the blue. Do something. You it could be. You want to do the. Uh, here it is, right here. I found it. The PPG Paints logo, the old one, was a prism in the background. I do remember yeah, that. Okay, yeah, it was a yep. prism. I know what you're talking about. Bring the god. What do you do? The damn prism. That'd um, be dope. If you had my o- my only thought about the helmet ads is, I feel like it is being kind of misconstrued as additional revenue. Or I feel like it's kind of a make good for the arena sponsors who were dealing with empty arenas for the last nine months. Yeah, they're probably paying for them, though. Yeah. So but it's, it, it's, it's kind of a way to kick them back a little. guess you can only have uh, prism tape on your stick during hockey is for everyone. What is it, a day or a month? What do we do now? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Great opportunity to make it the whole year. Yeah, and, and the guys, <laughs> I said this on, on Twitter the other day. You know, the, the biggest thing is hockey is a regionally popular sport. So this is the kind, like, annoying as it is, this is the stuff that you have to do to keep the lights yeah. on right now. Like, we can't have fans in the building, yeah, right. so, like, like, everything... That's why we have the Mass Mutual NHL East Division. Yeah, the Mass Mutual East Division and all the others. Like, everything is going to be for sale this year, and we just have to deal with that so we can get through this until... Everybody or most people are vaccinated. And we're out of the pandemic, and we can actually start going to games again. So, oh, and they and they made clear it was just a one year thing. How many of you guys put Team Canada stickers on your garbage cans? Oh, be honest. One barrel at a time here, Jesse. One barrel at a time. What are we calling it? Barrel or garbage can? It's a garbage can. Who says? Was it? Who says barrel? <coughs> I'm asking you. Was it a barrel? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Do you see what I'm saying? There's a philosophical. I, I got to be honest. I have no idea what the hell you guys are talking about. I'll Google it. I'll have a great time. Okay. Basically, after the game was over, the United States brought a barrel or a garbage can. Yeah. Onto the ice during the picture with the Team Lake Canada logo on it. Oh, that's cool. I like it. And posed with it. Now that's disrespectful. But getting drunk and tearing up the locker room. That's just boy stuff. Just guys being dudes. <laughs> It's being dudes. <laughs> um, hey, Pat, I, I've been watching some Bob's Burgers. Did you see the picture behind me? I just got it. No. Uh, well, yeah. No, I did. Yeah, that's what made me yeah. think of it. I just wanted to tell you. It's a funny show. My sister, my sister got me for Christmas. She took the picture of me, my mom, and my uh, me, my sister, and my mom, and our dog uh, from last Christmas sent it off to an artist and got us all turned into a Bob's Burgers cartoon and we're all standing in front of Bob's Burgers. I love so, that. So, like, that was cool as hell. It's a great show. Hey, uh, Mike, do you have the correspondences now? or uh... I do not. Well, before we okay. do that, Ooh. let's toss and let's go talk to Charlie O'Connor from the Athletic Philadelphia. And, oh, my God, yeah. And when we come back, we got correspondences. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest this week, uh, third ever guest on the history of this podcast. podcast. We don't bring in outsiders. It just doesn't happen. Uh, and, and Sean Gentilly, I don't even really, I mean, like he's a, a half a guest. So technically speaking, Charlie O'Connor from athletic, uh, uh, in Philadelphia, you're really like guest 1.5 that we've ever had. And Andrew Berkshire, he's Canadian. So I don't, you know, if we're looking at just Americans, uh, this is a, a, a joyous, uh, I'm sure you could put this on your resume really. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking this. I'm taking this as a major honor. Not going to lie. Um, Hey man. So, uh, let's start. I, we have a lot to talk about. Um, I figured that. One thing we could all use right now. I mean, hockey's coming back. That's good news, right? But the more good news, I think, the better. Pretty much the whole hockey community was cheering for Oscar Lindblom. Uh, he's back. Uh, Flyers camp's been going on. If I if I'm correct in this, I think he he's even made an appearance on the top line uh, in camp. How are things looking, and and how is he uh, overall? To be totally honest with you, um, you know, obviously he came back in the summer, you know, he played in the two games in the playoffs, but you know, that was, I think more him running on adrenaline, you know, and, and him being part of the team as much as he could, but he was nowhere close to being you know ready to play a full season. Um, yeah. he came back to camp and the first couple of days were maybe a little slow for him last couple of days. He's looked kind of like the same guy he was before he got diagnosed with cancer, which is unreal. Um, on Wednesday, he joined back up with the, uh, the line that really kind of positioned him to have what was looking like a breakout season last season, the line with, uh, with Sean Gattieri and, uh, and Travis Konechny. And they put him back on that line on Wednesday. And I thought Wednesday was his best day of practice. They had a, uh, they had an off day, uh, basically a rest day on Thursday. They were back out there today and I thought he looked good again. Uh, and the thing with, with Limbaugh too, is that he's not, you know, he's not a particularly flashy player. He never has been. He's more of one of those do the little things type of, of play driving guys who, you know, he's real good with spacing with, you know, off puck play with getting in the high danger areas and making himself, you know, open for passes when defenses least expect it. So he's not necessarily the kind of guy who, who always pops in drills, but he pretty much looks like himself, which is incredible because, you know, this time, literally, I remember doing podcasts this time last year and, you know, obviously y'all had the pipe dream that maybe he could play hockey again, but our main concern in January of 2020 was like that we wanted Oscar Limbaugh to be alive. Right. And, and, and the fact that it's a year later and he's practicing on the top line for the Philadelphia Flyers and very well could be there for game one, you know, next Wednesday is it's incredible. And as you said, it's, it's, it's a rare bit of good news in, uh, in 2020 and now into 21 that, that Oscar Limbaugh seemingly has, has beaten cancer and he's going to be able to restart his hockey career. 
Yeah, I thought you summed it up well, Charlie. I think the words you used in your uh, camp report, if I'm remembering correctly, was be malpractice uh, to not put him in the lineup, I believe, right? Uh, so, I mean, that's got to be good, right? Uh, and, yeah, I mean, and it's that's awesome. I mean, it, you know, uh, for as brutal as uh, the rivalry, you know, can be between these two teams uh, and the Penguins and Flyers, I mean, that's like one of those things where everybody loves a no-brainer, you know, come-together moment. So, um, hey, I mean, I want to ask you this question. I'm cutting Pat off. I'm going to get right into it. <laughs> Dude, what, what is, because if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the last time the Penguins and Flyers played, it was like a Thursday night game in which the Flyers slept walk to an uh, easy win uh, that was I mean, right before the pandemic. And I want to say maybe it was 3-1 game that was not all that. Uh, maybe not even if the Penguins got a goal that night. Uh, where's the juice on this now? You know, I mean, like from the, I think from the Penguins' perspective, you know, it's been caps, caps, caps all the time in the postseason, uh, going through those runs. You know, some ugly meetings with the Islanders. What about the other side of the state? Like, what's the what? I guess where's the the gas level on this from the Philadelphia side in terms of where this rivalry sits? You know, I think it's still pretty high uh, on the on the Philadelphia side, probably even higher on the Philadelphia side than it is on the Pittsburgh side, just because you know the Penguins and Penguins fans have kind of been able to. I wouldn't say right off the Flyers because the games are usually good, but they, they haven't really had to worry about the Flyers as a team that's going to actually have a shot at taking them down in the playoffs or, you know, be ahead of them in the standings and whatnot. Whereas Flyers fans and maybe not Flyers players, but definitely Flyers fans, you know, certainly look at the Penguins as the team that they want to surpass again. You know, they want the Flyers to be better than the Penguins. So, you know, the Penguins have been focused on other teams and Penguins fans have Flyers fans very much feel like, you know, it, it, it grates at them that the Penguins have been better than the Flyers for most of this past decade. And they certainly, you know, would love to see the tables be turned. And, you know, last year, the Flyers obviously ended up, you know, just barely ahead of them in the standings. Um, and then the playoffs went as they went. But the two teams are, in my mind, entering the season on pretty much equal footing, at least on paper. So it's going to be fascinating to see these, these matchups because it's kind of a throwback to the way it was in, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s, when it really did feel like both of these teams were, you know, fairly similar in quality and the games could go either way yeah yeah and that was kind of what i was going to angle at there charlie was like if you look at the two teams on paper right now objectively pittsburgh philadelphia especially with the way this this shortened season is going to go right you know we're playing only in division we're not going uh you know we're not going around having our two games against west coast teams and visiting other divisions you look at these two teams on paper pittsburgh philadelphia it seems like this year it's going to be a lot more even than it has been for the past, say, five-ish years. So when you're looking at this, as as both someone that covers the Flyers and hockey in general, uh, do you see that this might be a year where Philadelphia takes a step to being even or maybe even a little bit better than the Penguins? You know, it's it's interesting. It's, it's hard to tell, obviously, before we start. Um, I think the Penguins, you know, and, and this is a question that the Flyers are getting a lot um, you know, over the last few months is this idea of do the Flyers need more high end talent? You know, do can because right now the, the way this team is being built pretty much, at least in the here and now, the Flyers is that they're a very deep team. You know, they're not a team with a lot of obvious holes, and they've obviously got Carter Hart on the up and up, but they don't necessarily have the guys who flat out scare you 
especially offensively. Like Sean Gutierrez is their best player now, and all around he's one of the best players in the game, but he's not necessarily a guy that you game plan for. Whereas the Penguins are kind of on the other the other side. You know, they obviously still have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and those guys are Hall of Famers. They're some of the best players in hockey still, even though they're you know maybe not as good as they were two, three, four, five years ago. So it's kind of a fascinating thing when you look at these two teams because you have the Flyers who are really going with this you know depth we're going to wear you down four lines three defensive pairs we have the great goalie and then you have the Penguins who you know they're going to lean on their stars because they have to that's the way the team's built and if I have to say the biggest question mark for the Penguins is in goal no one really knows if Tristan Jari is actually that good is, is he the guy from the first half of you know, of 2019, 2020, or is he going to regress? You don't know. There aren't that many questions in goal for Philadelphia. Like obviously a goalie can have a bad year. It's a weird position, but people trust Carter Hart. So it's kind of a cool matchup right now because you have two teams that almost are mirror images of each other in terms of strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And that was, that was, I'm glad you brought that up too, because the one thing that I also wanted to pick your brain about a little bit was Carter Hart, because, you know, I, I thought that, for the most part, the Flyers have played his development pitch perfectly. Like, because, I, I, you know, I worked with a ton of Flyers fans. I went to college with a ton of Flyers fans. So, like, you know, the hype train was real. It was, it was man, get this guy in net, get him up here right now. And the Flyers were like, no, we, we are going to develop this guy to become our elite number one starter. Are you seeing that from him? And is this something that's going to keep progressing and he's going to get better? Or are we looking at this might be, you know, uh, average to slightly above average goaltender or is he the real deal so and obviously goaltending is voodoo so yeah we can say this right now and then in two weeks all of a sudden what the hell happened to carter hart it's very true (laughs) but as someone who very much you know espouses the goalie is voodoo thing i kind of came to a realization or at least a conclusion in this offseason that i'm just going to shut up and just trust (laughs) carter hart because in truth you know part of the reason why we say goalies are voodoo is because you know they'll have bad years and good years you know there will be goalies who like Braden Holpe are in the ECHL and then somehow out of nowhere turn into you know top end goalies for seven to ten years the thing with Carter Hart is that he's never been bad like he was dominant all throughout his junior career he's been pretty much good right off the bat at an age where goalies in the NHL pretty much never are starters, at least in this era. And at some point you just have to stop waiting for the floor to fall out from under him. And you have to say that like, he's never given me any reason to think he's not going to have a good year. Like it's a, you know, throwing it back to Tristan Jari, like Tristan Jari has had kind of an up and down career and, you know, maybe he's a late bloomer type. Maybe this is, this is him figuring it out. There's been tons of goalies that have gone through that path, but like Carter Hart has never really had that down. It's just been constant great. And at some point, I just kind of came to the realization where it's like, I, I have no choice but to assume that he's going to continue to stay good. Now, there's legitimate questions as to like what his ceiling is, and that's fair. You know, there are people like Corey Promen who have long been skeptical as to whether Carter Hart has like the athleticism to be a truly elite goaltender on the level of, you know, the top guys in the league. But in terms of him just being good, like I'm not really worried about that anymore. Because he's given me no reason to worry about that. But I feel like the Flyers are similar, Charlie, to the Penguins in that. Do they need an elite goalie to win a cup? Or do they just need somebody who's good? You know, I mean, you know, I know that's there's what's the difference right now. We're getting into semantics. But if they just got, you know, average to slightly above average goaltending on a reliable basis, 
is that not what has been missing prior to Carter Hart that would enable potentially them to just get over that hump? I think that's a fair point, but I think the distinction between like, if, let's compare where the flyers are now to where the flyers were in the, the mid two thousands, the flyers in the mid two thousands had Claude Giroux who was a star, you know, maybe not a generational star, but he was a star. He was an elite player. And they had Jake Voracek who was maybe a slight step below Claude Giroux. They had stars. They didn't have a goalie. They had Mason who was okay at times and a mess at times, and they had no depth. Well, now they have the depth and I think they have the goalie, but guys like Drew and Voracek aren't stars anymore. They're good. So you're, you're now you're in a position where you're like, you know, if you, if you could put Carter Hart on some of the old flyers teams, I don't think, I don't think he needs to be elite on this team. He might have to be because I don't know if they have enough guys who are those impact skaters unless guys take steps forward, which could happen. You know, you have guys like Ivan Provorov who could take a step forward into being, you know, a, a high end number one, rather than just a good number one. You have Travis connecting. You had a really good year last year. He could take another step to becoming an elite winger rather than just a really good winger. So you have guys who could take that step, but right now you, you look at the flyers and you worry, is this just a, a very deep team that when they get in the playoffs, is not going to be able to, you know, match up with the teams that have Braden points that have, you know, the, the real, the, the real stars, the guys who can take over games. Do the flyers have that? They might, it might be their goalie. And that's where you get into the question of, is that enough? Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of things I feel like people fight about on the internet pretty reliably, like on a consistent <laughs> basis, you can log onto Twitter. I feel like right now at any point, go into the flyers section of the internet and people are going to fight about Nolan Patrick <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Nolan Patrick, um, you know, out uh, migraines, right. It was, that was, that was, it was, he's in a migraine, chronic migraine issue. Yes. yes. Uh, and now he's back at camp now. He is. He's been at every single practice and he looks good. It looks good. So I guess sum it up, sum the fight up if you can for Pittsburgh listeners. Like what is, what is about Nolan Patrick's existence right now? Is it, is it not, is it like a, a long, a longer version of what Jack Hughes has maybe gone through in New Jersey, <laughs> like just extrapolated out, or is it something different? Uh, what's what's the central piece of this? So it's it's actually you know now that I think about it, it's kind of a complex thing because there's a <laughs> lot of different fights going on at the same time that all just kind of get melded into one. So in, in all honesty, really, what the what the driving force behind all of the Nolan Patrick battling is at its core is the fact that Nolan Patrick was a second overall pick who was supposed to be the guy who fell onto the flyers lap and was supposed to, you know, not necessarily be the franchise savior, but be the, you know, the, the number one center that the flyers didn't think they were going to be able to get. Well, his first year, he had a bad first half, a good second half. His second year, he didn't take a step forward. His third year, he had the migraine disorder, which not his fault, but he wasn't out there. In the meantime, you have Mira Haskinen, the guy taken right after him is looking like a superstar on defense. You have Kale McCarr looking like a superstar on defense and you have Elias Pedersen looking like a superstar center. And those are the three guys taken after him. So that's where in my mind, the, the anger and the frustration sets from, because you have a lot of people who are just, they look at that and they're just like, God, how is, how do we get this guy rather than those guys? Mm -hmm. And then you have the people on the other side that are like, you can't, you know, you can't toss this guy to the side. We don't know what he's going to be. You can't blame him for the migraine disorder, which is totally fair. And then you have the other side of people who are just like, I don't care. He's not Kel McCarr, Mira Haskinen, or Elias Pedersen. He's a bust. And that back and forth happens. And then 
there's the other aspect of the fact that he's hasn't been especially forthcoming with the media which isn't that big of a deal but some people take that personally and obviously some people in the media take that personally so that's a fact you have to tell us that here charlie yeah like we that lived was, through the that, phil kessel era well i was also going to say that also <laughs> kind of comes around to the crosby concussion saga when like yeah. every person on twitter is twitter was starting to become more of a thing and all the writers were like why aren't they telling us more about his concussion? It's like, because he has a concussion. What do you want them to say? Right. Is that is that make Charlie Morgan Frost? Is he like sort of like the shiny new toy that people focus on in the in sort of like the I don't want to say comparison, but I mean that as far as the third line center spot goes, is that is that kind of like the the number one competition for him? Um, in a sense, you know, the, the sense I get from the Flyers organization is that they would prefer to have Morgan Frost get a little bit more time in the AHL, which is why I think right now this is playing out beautifully for them because it's really looking like Patrick's going to be ready to go for game one. You know, there's been nothing, nothing I've seen on the ice so far this week tells me that they're going to sit him in game one. It looks like he's pretty much ready as ready as he's going to be. And in that case, it makes it very easy for them to say, okay, well, you know, put Morgan Frost on the taxi squad to start the year when the AHL starts up, get him down there, get him to play, and then you know, bring him up at some point down the road. But I, I wouldn't say that like Morgan Frost has become, you know, almost like the backup quarterback to Nolan Patrick. And then mm-hmm. everyone's jumping on the Morgan Frost bandwagon that is frustrated with Nolan Patrick. I think people just want Nolan Patrick to be good. They want yeah. Nolan Patrick to play. They want Nolan Patrick to be good. And the fact that number one, he hasn't played for a year. And number two, when he did play, he looked decent not like a star like Haskin and Makar and and Pedersen because of that there's just a lot of frustration and there's a lot of frustration that maybe doesn't no one really quite knows where to direct it you know do you direct it at Patrick because he didn't look that great before the migraine disorder but now you can't really be angry at him because how can you blame him for a migraine disorder are you angry at the Flyers well how can you be angry at the Flyers when the guys who picked Nolan Patrick aren't running the team anymore so it's just it's just a lot of like bottled up frustration that no one really seems to know what to do with when it comes to Nolan Patrick and I think that drives the constant discussion about him on social media fair that that is complex and I guess I hadn't considered the environment of where he was taken and some of the players that were picked around him as a, a driving factor sort of behind that sentiment. Pat, I, I still, I think I stole one from you there. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I, I, it, it kind of almost felt like you were going to ask what I was going to ask, but uh, you went the opposite direction. So every, every time, especially in a season like this, like, you know, I know this happened in the lockout shortened season when there was a lot of good Penns Flyers matchups. Obviously there was, the year before with the that unbelievably wild playoff series between the two teams. Um, there's always somebody that, whether it be the NHL as a whole or just Penguins fans when they watch it, who's a player on the Flyers that this year we're going to end up looking at and he's going to either be a new villain or somebody that we go, I swear to God, every time this guy touches the ice, he scores against the friggin' Penguins because there's always one. <laughs> so it, you're, I know you've been watching them at camp. Who's standing out to you so far? Um, you know, if, if you're talking about like a guy who is annoying to other teams, it, it to me it's Konechny. I mean, Konechny is that guy. I mean, you go back to the the uh, the Stadium Series game where he spent the whole game chirping everyone, and when they mic'd everybody up, it, yeah. was, uh, it was honestly hilarious. Like that's the type of thing where if both these teams are really good at the same time, like Travis Konechny is going to be infuriating to to Penguins fans because that's just it's just him. That's just his personality on the ice, and he's developing into a hell of a player. So you know, he's a logical one who you know is that kind of guy who. 
he's not a cheap shot artist. Like he's not the kind of guy who's going to, you know, spear somebody, but he's certainly going to chirp and he's going to be in the mix after every whistle. And then he's going to go out and score and you're going to be livid because you just wanted someone to punch him in the mouth. Um, so connecting one of them, you know, he's probably the guy who's most like that. If we're talking about like a role player, that sort of fits that mold. You know, I think Scott Lawton is, is a guy like that where, you know, he has some offensive ability. He definitely isn't afraid to mix it up. You know, he's also not a guy who I would consider to be, you know, somebody who's going to cross the line in terms of dirty hits, but he definitely is a physical player for his size and some shooting percentage luck that I think you know drove his his point totals but he's a useful player and he's that kind of like useful fourth line guy that if you're trying to build a team the way the Flyers are where you're 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 trying your roadmap is depth you need guys like Scott Lawton on your third on your third and fourth line to make you a deep team so you can really take advantage of the teams that are running slop on their fourth line because they have no cap space so he's another guy like that but in truth you know this isn't it's a little bit different of a Flyers team. You know, you don't have as many, you know, enforcer types. It seems like they're trying to turn Samuel Moran into that. So you might have to deal with, uh, you know, a six, seven guy who is just running around hitting people possibly in a, in a Flyers Penguins game this year. But uh, I, I don't necessarily think there's a lot of guys who, you know, I, I, I just, I can't imagine this being a situation where these two teams are going cheap shot for cheap shot. I just don't think the teams are built like that anymore. Yeah, definitely not. I don't I don't I don't foresee it being like the 2012 series, but I do think there's going to be a lot of familiarity breeding contempt between these two teams cuz there's still enough between like your Jeruz and Voracek's, Crosby, Malkin, Latang that there there's still some embers to this fire that I think seeing each other as much as they're going to see each other this year, we might get we might get some fireworks this year. Charlie, uh, one of the things that you do really well that I love is, is a lot of tape breakdown. Um, you know, we, we talked about it, uh, before you and I, and, you know, I bounced ideas off of you and things like that. Uh, I, here's, I wanted to ask you about the state of the game, uh, and your opinion on where we're at as a sport. Uh, something we talk about on the show a lot is I feel like we've kind of come to this generational crossroads, uh, where, you know, a lot of the old guard are on their way out. Um, you know, the game right now is fast. Um, let me narrow it down to get into it. My, what I, one of our frustrations running frustrations on the show is a lack of variety in systems in this league. Uh, are you feeling that? And, and is it, do you see it changing? Where are we right now in terms of the flavors that coaches are using in, in style of play? No, I, I think that's true. I, I think that there's, and I mean, obviously there's going to be tweaks here and there and co- coaches are going to adapt, but I, I definitely think that there's a, you know, there's certainly an element, particularly from the old guard coaching staffs that, you know, it's more important to frustrate another team than it is to, you know, to create. And that still exists in terms of the decisions that are made from a lineup standpoint, you know, from the, the things that are emphasized in practices, from the things that are emphasized in games, from the things that are emphasized behind closed doors and tape study, you know, there's definitely a risk aversion factor that's still there. Um, some coaches are, are probably doing a better job than others at, at avoiding that. You know, maybe some of the more forward-thinking coaches. You know, Sheldon Keith's obviously one that comes to mind, who seems to be preaching a more, you know, possession, creativity-oriented style of play in Toronto, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think the old guard. You know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say they don't innovate because there's definitely you know 
little tweaks that are made to the existing framework. But I agree that you're not seeing any big leaps right now in terms of, you know, reimagining what defensemen can do, you know, what their role should be reimagining, you know, the idea, kind of the idea we talked about before of like positionless hockey. There just hasn't been someone at this level that really has like gone all in on that yet. And I imagine at some point it'll happen, but I don't know how close we are just because of the, you know, the way hockey is. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it stifles innovation entirely, but it definitely looks down upon people who are really pushing the envelope from a, uh, from a philosophical standpoint. I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, you know, we haven't seen any games yet, so this is kind of a loaded question, but judging back off of what we saw, you know, I guess in the summer, How's the state of the NHL? I mean, I, I, I question NHL, Charlie, because if anybody watched the World Juniors knows the state of hockey uh, in terms of, you know, that tournament was phenomenal. Uh, quality of play was phenomenal. That gold medal game was great. Uh, where are we at in the NHL, though, and what could we do uh, to work? What could we do to get it better? I, I, I think I, I don't think it's bad. Like, I, I don't think the quality of play is terrible. You know, scoring is definitely up. Um, I love the fact that, uh, you know, obviously expanding to Vegas was a, a master stroke in retrospect. I think Seattle is going to work really well. So I love the fact yeah. that, that it's the, the NHL is expanding to new markets that, you know, Vegas was obviously kind of a coin flip. It worked out beautifully. I don't think Seattle is a coin flip. I think it's, it's more a matter of how well is it going to work? Not, is it going to work? It's like, is it going to be a top market versus just like a top 10 market? Um, but, uh, but I think that's good. You know, I think that's definitely good at the same time, you know, there's obviously elements of the game that we would like to be better. You know, there's certainly, you know, diversity elements that should be better, that could be better, that hopefully are being addressed by, you know, things like the HDA and stuff like that. And quality of play could be better. You know, absolutely quality of play could be better. You know, it could be a more exciting game. Um, it could be, you know, a more freewheeling game. Um, at the same time, those are the types of things that, you know, I really do think you need full scale philosophical changes because like a lot of people talk about it and, and I, I'm sympathetic to the idea, but they talk about the idea of like no more offsides, like that'll do it. And my thing with that is that, well, I find it a, like a fascinating idea and I, I'd love to like see it tested a little bit. My cynicism tells me that if you do that within 20 games, the NHL coaches, it's less that, uh, it's less that, you know, there's, major changes that have to be made. And it's more that the people, you know, running teams, if it was a little bit more freewheeling in terms of the way they approach the game, you know, changes could be made to open things up. I don't think necessarily the game can be opened up a lot more with the people that are making decisions right now. I think you need a, you know, a totally different outlook on the way hockey should be played for those changes to be made. And whether that happens or not, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be, Surely there's going to be, you know, people, you know, in their, you know, early thirties, late thirties that get jobs that aren't necessarily super forward thinking. They, they grew up with this and, you know, this is the way they're going to coach. But, um, I, I do think the game could be more fun the way, the way it's played, but in all honesty, I don't mind the way it's played now. Like I don't, I, I don't dislike watching hockey. I enjoy watching hockey. I, I can appreciate a defensive game, but it would be nice if it was a little bit more open. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that's kind of how like I felt watching the Stanley Cup final from the bubble being Tampa versus Dallas because that felt like a battle for the soul of 
the NHL <laughs> at that point because it was like if Tampa wins the because I mean I mean and that's true for any pro sport like you know the team that wins the championship is what everybody aspires to be over the next three four years and if Dallas ends up beating Tampa we're looking at a bunch of teams that are going to play you know stay at home defensively responsible hockey which I'm not against but it, it's you know. You either want the sport to grow and become more appealing to the masses, or you want it to stick where it is. And, you know, with a team like Dallas, if they win the Stanley Cup and everybody starts emulating that, like, you know, we could, I don't I don't think with the way the game's set up now, we could fall back to the dead puck era, but it would have been a lot less, more emphasis on speed, emphasis on pushing the play, offense, and all of that. So, I mean. We're, we're all in trouble if the Islanders win. It's, oh boy! Go ahead, Pat. No, we've we've almost gone to like a half hour here. We don't want to keep it too long. So, <laughs> um, we we do have so we every week we get correspondences, right? We take questions from listeners. Sometimes they don't make any sense. Sometimes they're not about hockey at all. They're just like <laughs> life advice or cookie recipes. Uh, the question for you this week, I don't have the context for Charlie, so I do not know the story to this. I don't know why someone would ask this question, but oh boy, the question is. Uh, it's just it's simply this Carter Hart or Mackenzie Blackwood. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so this was like a big, a big thing because there are devils fans that like whenever Carter Hart is brought up as like one of the, if not the best young goalie in hockey devils fans constantly bring up that, well, Mackenzie Blackwood's numbers are exactly <laughs> the same. So if you're going to say Carter Hart's great, you have to say Mackenzie Blackwood's great too. And I love like, that. That's so much better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't yeah. know. What, so that, that that's the that's the driving force behind that question. Like, no, I, I obviously believe Carter Hart's the better goalie for quite a few reasons. Number one, Carter Hart's doing this at a younger age than Mackenzie Blackwood did. Number two, Carter Hart has the track record of doing this at multiple levels in a way that Mackenzie Blackwood does not. Number three, Carter Hart's advanced metrics, particularly last year, were better than Mackenzie Blackwood's advanced metrics last year. You know, not looking at save percentage, but looking at you know things like goal saved above expectation, yeah. things like that, using evolving hockey's numbers and whatnot, and money pucks. So I I'm pretty confident that Carter Hart's a better goalie than Mackenzie Blackwood. I would kind of, I wouldn't say I would stake my reputation on it because goalies are weird, but I feel pretty good about that belief. (laughs) (laughs) I clearly might disagree, but (laughs) you presented a convincing case. I'm, I'm, I'm banging the gavel in your favor here. So, uh, do Charlie, we're going to do this again, man. We have to have you back on because eight games. I mean, at this point, you know, maybe we'll get in after four and just do a postmortem of how things have gone so far. So, uh, thanks for taking the time man. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys, man. Appreciate it. All right, since Mike came in late this week, I'm going to handle the correspondences. Maybe just add this to Mike's tab along with the $20 he already owes me since I'm doing his fucking job. First question is from our good pal, Flagrant Swag. If you could bring back one defunct NHL team from existence, or from the dead, and replace it with an existing team in the league, which team would you pick? Uh, See, for me, this is hard because a lot of the ones that I might bring back have kind of like they were like ones who moved. They didn't just like die. Right. Like like I would say I would say the Minnesota North Stars. I bring back. I I mean, yeah, I mean, like I don't want to get rid of the Avalanche because it's a good team. But like Quebec 
would be like great. Well, know? I mean, we are we're all pretty much in agreement. So the team that would go away is Arizona or Florida. I can't get rid of Florida because the '96. You know, they've been there, right? So. Yeah, and I don't, I don't particularly care to get rid of a team, especially because, like, in the case of Arizona, they're the old Winnipeg. So here's the thing about Florida: that you, that arena will have a much larger group of people in it if they have a winner, if they have a team that's competitive. Well, and it's like consistently. Well, that in that in those two those two teams, Florida Arizona, have the same problem. They are not in a place that is easily accessible. The Coyotes right. are in Glendale. The Panthers are in Sunrise. Like, Sunrise. put the Panthers in Miami and put the Coyotes in 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 Phoenix. Like, yeah. th- like it, it's do that, and you're going to see some improvement. But yeah, this is the NHL. They are not intelligent. Next, we got our friend Laura. She wishes us a happy New Year. Says Happy New Year, guys. And she asks, "What is room temperature?" In a situation where heating is included in the lease, i.e. cost is not a factor, where should one set the thermostat? 68. Yeah, I got to go high 60s. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, this is going to be shocking for a lot of people, but I'm a, I'm a 70-plus guy. See, I, I go high 60s um, because I like to be cool, and with that, that keeps you cool during the summer and while we're talking heating i can still be comfortable wearing a layer or two yeah and when in the summer i'll crank that i'll crank that i'll turn this baby into an ice box yes i want to see i want to see penguins in my dreams during the summer me too ice cold all right next we have from o'leary c5 two-part question both are worth answering i would think one, what prospect is most likely to stick up with the Penguins this year, and what happens to the player they replace? Can you read that again? I'm sorry. Which prospect is most likely to stick in Pittsburgh this year, and what happens to the player that they replace? Is the, the answer is none. Yeah. There's no battle. I just don't see it happening. And, I and, guess, and, and I if, guess and if one if, drew if O'Connor... One, yeah, I was going to say, if one like Drew O'Connor gets a crack in, it's probably going to be temporary for injury. Yeah, the only other one I can think of, and honestly, I don't think he's good enough to knock anybody out, is uh, Pierre-Olivia Joseph. Like, But I don't think he's ready yet. I think he's still a year away. Well, there's the, the logjam problem for him. Yeah, logjam, and he's, he's still not going to take a spot off any of these guys you know, in the They're, top six. And, and I'm curious to see, obviously, you're going to have injuries in-game, but I'm curious to see how... The travel schedule might ease some of that. Yeah, I think that, like like everybody said it, and they're right. The taxi squad is going to be the biggest the biggest thing for every team this year. Like who who do you have waiting in reserve to step up? And his second question is: Any advice to someone looking to move to Pittsburgh in the next few years? <laughs> Find a real estate agent. <laughs> That was kind of dickish. I'm sorry. Yeah, a little bit. I was like, "God damn, Mike!" So wants to move to our fair city. Really spend time investing yourself in researching the community 
you want to be in. Because there are pros and cons. You know, I guess the one thing about Pittsburgh is, like, it's so different, right? Moon is different than McKee's Rocks, and they're practically right next to each other, which is different than Crafton, and it's right on top of those two, which is different than Coriopolis, sandwiched in the middle of all of them. Like, it's it's not this, it's the community matters that you're in, right? So if, like, you're moving from out of town and you're not sure, like, go on Twitter and start asking people, like, what's your experience? Like, what, what, tell me about this place. Like, get a sense of what goes on there and, like, what the people are about and, like, what there is to do. Um, it's important. You know, every, it's, there are all places with their own different characters, you know, and different personalities. And, you know, it's a big, it's a big little place. The downtown is small, but the rest of it spreads out a very wide area of land where people are very different. Yeah, and and in, 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 in thirty minutes you can go from one part of the world to another. Yeah, and depending on where it is you're moving from, if possible, spend a few days or a week around where you want to move, whether it be the city area, suburbs, wherever. Get a feel for where you want to go and see how you feel about it before you move there. Yeah, that's a good question. Up next, we got Matt Cause. Great question. What percentage chance do you give Wayne Gretzky being behind COVID-19 as a plot to prevent Alex Ovechkin from surpassing his career goal total? And then in all caps adds, think about it. I did see that question. I forgot <laughs> about that one. Well, he could, quite non- be behind the, he could quite be behind the media campaign to prevent people from wearing number 98. Uh, I would say it's a, it's a non-zero. <laughs> non-zero chance. Uh, I don't know. I got a feeling. Uh, I got a feeling that Wayne was awfully perturbed when he saw that there were vaccines being rolled out. <laughs> I got that. That ninety-eight thing is the dumbest goddamn thing I've yeah. ever seen. Oh, dude, your tweet was perfect, Jesse. Where you're like, Ron Hainsey won a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh wearing sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me yeah. it took me a minute too because like like 65 is such an off the wall number well yeah and then i somebody not, not only on that Twitter, ron, ron hainsey broke james neal's ankles in the stanley cup final wearing number 65 and then somebody pointed out too i think it was in 2007 and goligoski wore two, uh, 67 yeah but like I, it took me a minute to put two and two together because i was like yeah, 65 is just a really random number. I didn't realize that his argument was it's one away from Gretzky until yeah. I actually clicked the stupid tweet. Uh, all right, one more to go before we wrap this up. Kevin Reuter asks what I'm going to vote as the best question of the week. Did you guys ever have a phase growing up? Like, was there ever a goth Pat or a juggalo Mike? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, had a, I had a shell necklace phase. <laughs> Uh, yeah so i don't know really how to describe this i guess it was like i listened to a lot of saves today a fucking lot of saves today <laughs> a lot of like uh taking back sunday so you could just close your eyes and picture how i dressed around that period of time there's a lot of hair product i had hair um, I shopped at Hot Topic a lot. I uh, spent did a lot you, of time at Club Laga. Did you wear Jenko jeans? Never owned a pair of Jenkos in my life, buddy. Never did. 
No. Lager was I wore lar- regular. Well, I because I was because I was emo, I wore a lot of khakis. Yeah, I, I went through the the punk emo phase too. Like you know, I took us off for a little lo- bit. A lot of yellow card. Uh, take go on my Sunday. Spotify. Go on Pat and I's Spotify right now. I guarantee that's what it is. Oh yeah, I think I I think I I, I can't remember if I kept it or not because I like I switched email accounts and like had to like reopen a Spotify account. But I definitely had a I had a, a playlist with like all those songs from like the early mid two thousands, like all the pop punk. So oh, yeah. and the name of the playlist was literally "It's Not a Phase, Mom." <laughs> um, what was your AOL screen name? Oh God. Um, I want to like I've been pretty concerned. I think mine was like P Dampy nine one four. Like, cause it was around the time that he like he went from Puff Daddy to P Diddy. So I just made myself P Dampy. I see what you did there. Yes, very good. I have to think about what mine was. I know we talked about this before, and I don't think I ever thought. Yeah, mine was All Star Me because it saves the day song. No shame. All right, gentlemen. Well, it's been a great show, Mike. I was, I'm very happy you were able to join us for a portion pleasant, of it. Pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Uh, say goodbye, Pat. See you, guys. Thanks again to uh, Charlie O'Connor for uh, taking some time out to join us. And uh, we will uh, chat with you guys again next week. Bye.